Spirit of the living God, we are here only because of your grace, because of your strength, because of your love, because of what you have revealed in Christ Jesus. And we ask that your presence would overwhelm our thoughts, our minds, that the desire of the ages, our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus, that there would be an outshining, an outraying of his truth, of his life, of his glory, of his strength. So we truly exalt you for who you are. We do not come here in our names or in our abilities or in whatever clothed us in the past, but we come, Father, in the newness of your spirit. He said, he that be in Christ is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. So we thank you, Father, for all things in perception, in understanding, in even dignity has been made new. But the dignity of the old man has been nailed to the cross. And that which you are now stands on our behalf. So we exalt you. We exalt you. We exalt you. If you have words of praise, just release them unto our Father and magnify him for who he is. His glory endures forever. His word endures forever. Jesus, you are Lord, Lord of eternity, mighty to save, holy, the same yesterday, today, forever, able to do that which cannot come into the mind of man. You exceed our thoughts. You exceed our comprehension. You exceed that which we can even conceive in our minds. What manner of man is this? Even demons obey him at his command. What manner, what manner of man is this? We worship you. If you have a prayer language, begin to release, begin to release the streams of God that make his nation glad. says, out of their bellies shall flow forth rivers, 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 the rivers of his presence, the rivers of his glory, the rivers of his honor, the rivers of his name, his name, his name. Oh Lord, we worship you. Holy are you, Lord, of creation, 
Cause you God worthy is your name. We worship your majesty. Awesome God, how great Thou art! You are God, mighty are Your miracles. We stand in awe of Your holy name, Lord. Jesus Christ, 
Jesus, our Lord and Christ, we would worship and adore you with all our hearts that you might be seen as the one true God, the one who rules in our lives. And that's why we are here, O oh Lord, that our eyes will behold you in your magnificence, in your exalted state. For you are no longer on the cross. You are high and lifted up. You are no longer in the grave. You are high and lifted up. We bless you, King of Kings. We are all here for one reason. To behold him who is alive, alive forevermore. So now just begin to tell the Lord, say something to him. Say, Lord, I am here to behold you. I'm here to receive from you. I am here to magnify you. This is my worship, to stay at your feet and receive. Our Lord said, matter, matter. Mary sitting down here receiving from the throne. That is what matters. To receive the true bread from heaven. The true bread. The true bread. The true bread. Nothing else will satisfy but the true bread that comes from heaven. Nothing else. Nothing else satisfies except the true bread from heaven. So live therefore that thing. That is contending with your joy, contending with your mind, contending with your peace. For the true light of the world that lights up the heavens is by your side. Hold on. Jesus. The Lord of all creation, Father, King of glory, we magnify your name. We thank you for this privilege of sonship. We do not take it for granted, Father. And Father, if we are subconsciously taking it for granted, have mercy. Lord, we do not presume to know the fullness of what your will is, but Lord, we are asking please reveal the breath, the scope, the full spectrum of your desires within our hearts. We are asking, Lord, if there is any blockage in the mind, we ask that that veil be removed in the name of Jesus, that there would be light, that the body would be full of light. The Bible says the eye is the light of the body. He said, if it is dark, the whole body will be full of darkness. Ah, but he said, if there be light, that body will be full of light. Oh, bakashekit akatana, lokoseite. Father, that we might all be bodies of light. Just as you have said, that ye are the light of the world. Ikri shotege gibahasa, a city set upon the hill that cannot be hidden. 
Father, if there is any veiled glory here that is hiding each and every one of us, Father, we pray that that veil be broken. That veil be broken. That veil be broken. That veil be broken. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If there be anything contending with joy, someone begin to raise, begin to raise your prayer now before the presence of the Lord. If there is anything contending with the joy, contending with your family, Contending with your destiny, who are down mountain before Zerubbabel, you shall be made a plain. You are made a plain. Begin to release your prayer. Begin to release your words. Strongholds be broken. Strongholds be broken. Strongholds be broken over the minds, over the hearts. Is anyone here contending with fear? Contending with fear, inability to move because of what the enemy is whispering, because of the lies of the enemy. Today we silence every voice of despair. We silence every voice of paralysis. We silence every voice of darkness. And we decree, let there be light. Let life flow. Let glory flow. Let movement, divine movement, begin to come upon each feet in the name of Jesus. Jesus Christos Jesus the Messiah the rules he has spoken in his word that he would never leave you nor forsake you you are not alone someone raise up your hands and say father I am not alone I believe your word I know what you have said I am not alone. I am not alone. I stand in awe, I stand in awe of, your glory. of your glory. And beside your glory, beside your there glory. is nothing that can compare there to it. Nothing, that can, nothing compare can compare with your glory. Nothing can compare with your might. Nothing can compare with you. I can't shake it. I behold you in the face of storms. I behold you in the face of an attack. I behold you in the face of my enemy, didn't the sound is say? Didn't he say he prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies? He does it in the presence of your enemies. He does it in the presence of your enemies. Don't you see? He does it so that you can see that the enemy is totally incapable of touching you. Not in the absence of your enemies, in the presence. That is our God. That is our Father. He loves us to a fault. Oh, Jesus, Lord of eternity. Contend on our behalf, oh Jesus. Contend on our behalf in the name of Jesus. Contend on our behalf, oh God Almighty. See, I honestly want to move on, but there's this song that keeps coming up. 
I stand, I stand in awe of you. I stand, I stand in awe of you. Holy God, holy God, to whom all praise is due. I stand in awe of you. I stand, I stand, I stand. I stand, I stand in awe. We're in awe of you, Lord. I stand, I stand in awe of you. Holy God, holy God, to whom all praise is due. I stand in awe of you. Oh, Stand in all of you, Lord. I stand, I stand in all of you, Lord. I stand, I stand in all of you, Holy God, Holy God, to we know honor to you is honor to the Father. We're asking, Father, that everything that had breath here would be refilled with your glory, refilled with everything that you are, that your word, O oh Lord, would come alive in us. We are asking that it would birth that which is called holy that which you are father that everything the countenance of who you are would rub off fully in attitude in in response in behavior in desire that's what we are asking for say so we should ask for anything Father, we are also asking for the nations, the nations, your glory to flood the earth, your glory to flood the nations, your glory to flood 
that it would be undeniable undeniable of what you have done in your church undeniable of what you have done in your church undeniable what you have done in your church because in Jesus name I stand in awe of you Jesus we honor you we magnify you we glorify you we behold you we honor you we bless you oh someone just say thank you lord thank you lord we bless you lord we give you glory lord we give you glory lord we honor you lord we magnify you in jesus name in jesus name amen amen we bless your name uh please let me we bless the name of the Lord. We magnify him for who he is. Uh, someone just raise up your hand and say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Now make it personal. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is and Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Savior. You see, it doesn't say that we should only say it when we are coming to the place of receiving salvation. Each time, I can't remember whether it was with Wigglesworth that said, he does it daily. He approaches and says, I receive you, Lord, as my Lord and Savior. A renewal of mind, a renewal of heart, a renewal of that which dwells within. An acknowledgement of who he is. Amen. We bless the name of the Lord. Amen. If uh, you know you have bread, just shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I honor my senior pastors. I honor Pastor Kwame. I honor Pastor Kwafo. Um, they are my pastors. I honor you, sirs. God bless you, sirs. Amen. Um, I honor my, our elders. I honor grandpa. I honor uh, our, um, all the executives. God richly bless you. Amen. Uh, please, can you turn to your neighbor and say, it is a good thing to see you here today. You are blessed and highly favored. The glory of the Lord is mighty upon you. Amen. And if the person is not responding, turn to another person and say, I think you are my friend. <laughs> Give me a better response. Amen. Amen. The Bible says in the presence of God is fullness of joy. So if that person is attacking your joy, find a place where you see joy. <laughs> so this is where the presence of God is. Amen. Amen. Forgive me. Someone point to me and say, forgive him. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Um, I just want to quickly um, kind of honor the people that have really started this, um, this conference. I want to honor our elder Rose Love for giving us an understanding of what it means to put on that garment, the garment of praise. Amen. And if you missed the workshop this afternoon <laughs> on the cup of salvation, <laughs> then you missed a whole lot. Turn to your neighbor and say, you missed a whole lot. Because what we received today strengthens the faith, strengthens the understanding of what we have received in Christ Jesus. 
But don't you know and say, you, well, you missed a whole lot, but you didn't really miss. You understand why I'm saying that? You can go and listen to the message. Please, if you missed it, listen to the message. Listen to the workshop. There are some questions and very vital things that some of us contend with that were discussed. Please listen. And it would answer some of those, you know, very, very important questions. Amen. Amen. Today we'll be focusing on rejoice over the king. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say rejoice over the king. And we'll be going through Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9. Father, I ask that your word will come forth. That anything that will take your place, that it be stripped off. That only you and that which you desire, your will, will be made known. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. Lowly and riding on a donkey. A coat, the foal of a donkey. Amen. The important thing here is when you look at verse 9, he says something. He says, he is just and having salvation. Just and having salvation. Speaking to his character, there is something about our Lord and Savior. He doesn't just come. He says, he comes in his character of being righteous. He comes as a just person. As a just king. So it speaks to his character. Now, it's one thing for you to have a king that reigns in humility. It's another thing for you to have a king that reigns in righteousness. Why? Righteousness exalts a nation. It exalts a people. There is something that lifts a people up when righteousness is decreed. There is something that changes the atmosphere, the thinking, the, 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 the emblem of a person. Once that person is not just ruling in power or increasing the glory of the nation, but rules in righteousness. He says, behold, your king is coming to you. He is your king. He has the right to have authority, dominion. Your king is coming. He's coming to you. He didn't say your king is calling you unto himself. He is coming. So he's coming from his high estate to be with you. He's coming unto you. He is just. And having salvation. Now, you see that there, that his conditions for salvation proceed from his righteous character. What that actually means is this that he does not hide his conditions for salvation, he is just, and salvation is in his hand, but his Character makes him to consistently let you know what that condition is for salvation. It, it's not hidden. And you see this, that consistently, uh, you know, it's almost as if there's a, there's a consistent theme. 
Yesterday we heard it from Sister Roselov. Today we heard it from, from Pastor Kwafo. When God does a thing, he ensures that in multiple ways, he reveals his plan to you and I. He is intentional about salvation. His righteousness is what leads him to be intentional about revealing what his plan is to you and I. So that no one will be confused as to what his plans were. And so you consistently see in the scriptures, it says, as it was written. This he did to show what the prophet had decreed. And so, even in that scripture where he says, a cult, a fall, to be honest, I really don't know. Because in Matthew, he says, he, he sat down on both of them. <laughs> and I tried to understand. He sat down on both of them. But then in John, of course, that's the problem with all these synoptic gospels. Different eye views. John only said he sat down on an ass. But the important thing is, after they decreed what he did or what they saw him do, they said that as it was written by the prophets. The essential thing there is that when they decreed what they witnessed, they were saying this he did to fulfill the scriptures. It says, they did not know, they did not understand, but then they understood when he was glorified. You see, it shows the intentionality of our father to reveal himself that the witness of the word and the witness of the spirit would not go unfulfilled. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is intentional. And by implication, you are not a mistake. By implication, you are not a mistake. Let's go deeper. By implication, your challenges are not a mistake. By implication, the challenges you are facing is not a mistake. It is for your building and equipping to show what God is decreeing concerning you and your destiny. He is intentional. Intentional. So he always gave templates. And if you're here this morning, our pastor spoke about the Ark of the Covenant. You know, Derek Prince speaking on using the Ark as, an, uh, as a metaphor for our oneness in Christ. The big Ark, the small Ark. The small Ark is Christ in us. The big Ark is us in Christ. Christ in us. Us in Christ. Us in Christ means God has control over everything. Because when he entered into that ark, they weren't able, they weren't able to close the door. It was God that closed the door and shut them in. You don't have the ability to tell God what to do once you enter into this thing. You have to be under his total dominion. And once he decrees a thing, it has to be established in your life. You don't give God condition. God, um, if you do this for me, I mean, I will bless you and I will. God is not looking for praise. God is not looking for worship. God is not looking for worship. He's looking for true worshipers. He's looking for the person. Because the end of it all is fellowship. 
He is not a, he doesn't need people to uh, give him words. He doesn't need flattery. <laughs> he wants you. He was looking for a body to dwell in. That's why he said in his word, a body have you prepared for me? A body. I know, <laughs> please, don't your neighbor and say, God is not looking for, for worship. He's looking for the person. He's looking for the worshiper. Let us make man in our own image. In our own image and in our own likeness. He's looking for that person that would come and subject himself to heed the command of the Lord and say, I am in your image. I'm subjecting myself to what your plan is. Don't you ever say, God is looking for you. And apart from this, we find out that our king also gives patterns as part of his righteous and just character. And his patterns are always repetitive. Repetitive. So he gives them a sign. Or he gives them a prophecy. They don't understand it. He gives them another one. They still don't understand it. He will keep giving it to them. And at the end of the day, Jesus came and fulfilled every single thing. Now, there are some that are yet to be fulfilled until the second coming. But that which was appropriate for the first coming has been fulfilled. Amen. Shows the intentionality of God. We see that in the feasts, the different feasts that he gave. The feast of the Passover, the feast of the unleavened bread, the feast of the new grain. He was practically showing them that all these things I am saying, all these things I am doing, even the metaphors that I used with the nation of Israel when I called them out, is still the same metaphor. Showing that God is intentional. Now, there are some of us that might be wondering, why is it that I keep going through the same thing again and again and again and again? God is trying to bring you into a place where you conquer that thing. His repetition is trying to let you know that that thing there, that thing there is intentional. And until you yield to what he has decreed, someone say, I will overcome. Someone say this, Raise up your hands and say this. The challenges I face are not to destroy me, but to make me stronger. Job, a man of God, who had the testimony of God. Now, this is not my I don't know why I'm saying this. Job, who had the testimony of God. He had the testimony of God. Encountered a strange problem. But at the end of the day, that problem only made him stronger. Apart from that, it made him wiser. You see, all the men, if you look through the scriptures, and I'm sorry I'm, 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 going, I'm doing this. If you look through the scriptures, you find out that all of them, all of them 
were challenged on the basis of their priestly ministry. It was because Job was always sacrificing unto the Lord. He was sacrificing. You think about each and every one of them, it was because of their dedication. Now, some of you here might be going through trials, but I promise you, it might be because of your dedication unto the Lord. He didn't say that a righteous man would have no problems. The Bible says, many are the afflictions. Why? Because you are in that place where you are dedicated to God's plan. And it is always on the basis of your dedication that you will be attacked. He will accuse you based on your dedication. That is why you might see someone who is an unbeliever doing the same thing that you are doing and will not be bothered, would not be attacked. Oh, you see, uh, let me go another way. People are still in time. The day you choose <laughs> is the day you get caught. You have an accuser. Oh, you have an accuser. Stationed by your side, you have an accuser. They might not have an accuser, but you have an accuser. And it is on the basis of your priestly ministry. The day you decided that you were going to receive the lamb, the day you decided you were going to receive him, the one who is spotless and true, was the day the enemy chose you as his enemy. Jesus does not accuse. He convicts and he draws them. He says, come unto me all you have labored and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. But the enemy... Once he sees a spot, uh, how many of you were in uh, junior secondary school? <laughs> Did you have that person in the class that would always go and run and tell the teacher once? <laughs> <laughs> but I said all of that to say this, that there are times and there are seasons in the scriptures. There are types and shadows. Everything that is done is intentional. Amen. 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 Now, another thing about this nature of our king is that because he is just and because he reveals, he reveals everything concerning salvation, the path of salvation, the understanding of salvation, the energy of salvation, what would break you to stay in the place of salvation, he carries that burden of salvation. Don't you say no one can save himself? That is why he is called Savior. So the burden of salvation is on him. That's why he said, Behold, your king is coming to you. So that is something to rejoice about. That you have a caretaker that is by your side pruning you. That's what the prayer leader was talking about in, on Friday pruning you, trimming you. Ensuring that all your edges are finely tuned. That your senses are finely tuned to hear what he is saying. He doesn't leave you to figure it out by yourself. He said, I will send you a comforter. A comforter. A paracletos. He says, an intercessor. 
an advocate, a strengthener, a standby. Another of the same kind. Allos Parakletos. Another, another of the same kind. That's, I'm living, but I'm sending another in my place who resembles me in, in value, in, 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 in personality. In fact, you will not know a difference. Isn't that something to rejoice about? That the burden of salvation, of making you brand new, is placed on someone who dwells on your inside. So you don't have to come up with that energy or that strength. All you have to do is yield. But as our pastor said this morning, you have to submit to the word. Because that energy has to work with something. If you need fire, you need a fuel source. Amen? So if you are burning fire, for those of us that used to cook with firewood, what did they have to do? They throw some wood into the fire. And the word of God is what makes that fire to burn. There is no way you can stand with fire without the word. Without the word, the fire would be quenched. So there is a need and a desire to stay with the word. But you know the beautiful thing? Our king is also the word. He is the word. He is the fire. He is the ability. He is the power. He is the authority. What do you bring into the picture? Nothing. You just bring yourself in surrender. That's why he says, rejoice greatly. The king is coming to you. And everything that you need is within him. Amen. He will not put a burden on you that you cannot bear. The burden of salvation is on him. Someone raise up your hands and say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, when we go to Zephaniah, Zephaniah chapter 3, Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Zephaniah chapter 3 from verses 14 and 15. Amen. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Someone say, sing, O daughter of Zion. Now, I know for the men, this might be very, very confusing, but you can, everyone, raise up your hands and say, I am a daughter of Zion. <laughs> The Bible says that we are the bride of Christ. Amen. <laughs> so I know we are men, but please, can we raise up our hands again? <laughs> I know it's not, <laughs> it's not confusing for the women. <laughs> I am a daughter of Zion. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Shout, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all your heart. O daughter of Jerusalem, verse 15, the Lord has taken away your judgment. Remember he said he is just and has salvation in his hand. He's not telling us the path of salvation, what that salvation entails. 
He's saying that on the basis of what he is coming to do as your king, he is coming to take away all your judgments. He is coming to take away the judgment that has been spoken concerning your destiny, spoken against your family, spoken against your future. He's saying, come. He is coming to take it away. 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 In other words, judgment is no longer your possession. Judgment is no longer standing between you and the Father. Judgment is no longer your reward. The Bible says that the souls that sin it shall surely die. It didn't say that the soul, the, the children of the soul that sin it shall die. It is the person who sins that dies. Amen. But you know what he did? He took away that handwriting of requirement. He took it away and he decreed that I am coming in their place. That they might walk in the humility of my name. And just by being in that name, they find freedom. He takes away the judgment that has been spoken concerning you and concerning your destiny. And with that one act that he did on the cross, what did he do? What did he do? He delivered us from sin. He delivered us from the sting of sin. The Bible says that death is the sting of sin. He delivered you from sin. He also delivered you from the corruption of death. What a wonderful savior. He delivered us from the law. And even from the judgment of the law. The curse that came with, 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 with fulfilling the law. Because there was nobody that could do everything that was considered in the law. It was a yoke that was placed upon each neck. But then he came and said, this is too hard for you. As the king that is coming to take you and give you salvation, I will take that burden away from your neck. I will take that yoke away from your neck. Someone shouts for joy. He has taken that burden away from us. I will be their God and they will be my people. I will be the energy that works within them to fulfill all things. So that none may boast. No one here has a boast. And if we boast, we boast in the name of Jesus. The champion of eternity. The one who is able. Mighty is he to deliver. But you see, this delivering power that he gave was on the basis of the sacrifice of himself. The power of the sacrifice of himself. Ezekiel 18, chapter, uh, chapter 18, verse 20. says, the soul that sinneth shall surely die. Shall surely die. But he poured out his life unto death. He poured out his soul. He gave his own life, his own blood. That you and I might walk in freedom. Understand this. He did not renew or grant strength to the old man. He put that man to death because that was the only thing that he was deserving. The person that was deserving of death, deserving of judgment, was put to death that we might live the life of the man that now is. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And he 
it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I. I'm alive. But yet, it is not me. I wake up each morning. But yet, it is not me. There were things that used to attract me. But now, I find out that it is not me. There were things that used to bring me down. Now I find out that it is not me. There were things that used to torment me, but now I find out that it is not me. There were things that used to motivate me to do wrong, but now I find out it is not me because it is not I, but Christ liveth in me. The burden of doing that which pleases the Father is Christ liveth in me. If you are saying it is not possible, it is true because it is Christ that liveth in me. It is not you. It is the basis of Christ and the life which I now live in the flesh. You see, though there is mortality in this flesh, there is someone else that is called immortality. He says that we have become partakers of the divine nature. Partakers of that divine. There is an immortality that is at work in your mortality. And that is the king. The one who has come with the burden of salvation. I live by the faith of the son of God. Who loved me. And gave himself. He took that burden on himself. It's something to rejoice about. If there is anyone struggling. Now the thing is. We are all struggling on different levels. Because there might be something. That someone here. Who might not feel he's struggling with. There might be something. That you are not aware of yet. That you are actually struggling with. And it takes the humility. To ask the Lord to reveal it to us. Because we all are struggling on different levels. For some, it might be immorality. For some, that is not a problem. And believe me, that might not be a problem. <laughs> immorality might not be a problem. For some, it might be lying. But for most people here, lying might not be a problem. Is that, is that not true? For some, it might be gossiping. But for some people here, that is not a problem. The truth is, I can stand here and think I am not struggling with anything until the Lord slaps me and wakes me up and says, your attitude here, it stinks. But I might stand here and think, I'm all good. I might not see it. Now, other people might see it. I might not see it. And I might never know. But the person with the burden of salvation, who keep revealing it to us. Now, the moment we begin to think that we have arrived growth in the Lord, growth in his word, growth in him begins to get stunted. Someone raise up your hands and say, Father, I yield to you. Have mercy on me. If there is anything that I have not seen, 
Lord, please reveal it to me and have mercy on me. See, this is it's a personal work, walk. A personal walk. And we have a personal Savior. And his desire for you and I is that we all will grow into maturity. We are all on different levels of maturity. Some are more mature than the others. Believe me, that's just the truth. Because you cannot call some people as gifts to bring people to maturity when they don't know what that maturity level is. He matures the person and then sends them out so that everyone might also become mature. But that matured person must also keep on maturing until the stature of Christ. And no one here can say they've gotten to the stature of Christ. We are all growing. Amen. Amen. So, it is not I, but Christ. Let's open to Corinthians. Sorry, Colossians. Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. And I think it will do us good if we read from verse 11. Colossians chapter 2 from verse 11. And we are going to be reading to verse 15. It says, In whom also ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. He doesn't try to renew that old man. He cuts it off. He cuts it off. And that is what he does in his work. He says, buried with him in baptism. A better way to understand what that is, is to substitute baptism with immersion. Or substitute baptism with enclosure. Buried with him, enclosed in him. Wherein also ye are risen, because you see he's, he's continuing with that statement. Wherein also you are risen with him through faith of the oppression of God. That is, don't see yourself outside him. See yourself cocooned by him. Embalmed by the person of Christ. That when he died, it was, he, he, you, you were in him. You were in that seed that was put in the, in the, in the belly of the earth. And when, when he arose, you were also in him, in that newness that came up. Who raised him from the dead. When he was raised from the dead, you became a new person, alive. With everything that is called life and light. And that is the consistent process of salvation. As in, he is saying, come, I have that, I'm just, I am just. But I will enable you to spring up into eternal life. I will enable you. I will be the power that energizes you. He says, and you being dead in your sins, you were dead. You had no ability to know what was life. Even if they, if they brought life before your face, you wouldn't understand it. Because we had no comprehension in that state. We were dead. We didn't know what life meant. We didn't know what life looked like. We were in sin. 
and the uncircumcision of the flesh. He has quickened. And that is what he did. He quickened us. With the power that is called resurrection life. Together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. Someone say, I am forgiven. If you are here and you are still tormented with the issues of the past, know right now that you are forgiven. That is what he came to do. The burden of uprooting you from that place. He has already uprooted you. What needs to happen is for you to see that uprooting in your mind. And it has to stay there. That is where the victory comes. You have been uprooted from that place of despair. You have been uprooted from that place of bondage. From that place of, 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 of inability or paralysis. You have been uprooted from that place. And he has quickened you. You know when they say quickened, energized you. Energized, empowered you, and fired you, and fired you. That's a good one. And fire, he, has, he has given you propulsion. Just when you think of quickened, think of a rocket trying to go to space. There is so much dynamite, so much power, energizing that vessel. He has quickened you. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. See, when we sinned, we were practically saying, paying a price, right? The Bible says, the soul that sinned shall surely die. In other words, when we sinned, we said we were going to owe a payment. Right? See, the Bible says, it says this. It says that the free gift of God is eternal life. Free gift. So there is a gift, but the reward for sin, for the payment for sin, is death. Two different things. Eternal life, a reward, but sin is a payment. You work, once you have done the work, there is a due. Amen. So, you sin, then expect the payment. And that payment was what? It was death, corruption. But you see what this scripture is saying? He's saying he has blotted out everything that you owed. He says, because you, your trespasses has been forgiven. So all those things that you owed, you don't owe anyone nothing. You don't owe death nothing. You don't owe the devil nothing. Why? He has blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against you, which was contrary to us. 
He took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Amen. So, when Zephaniah said that the Lord has taken away our judgment, the judgment of sin, the judgment of death, the judgment even of that thing that is being owed, which is in generational curses, says he has already taken it away. But you have to enforce your right because the devil has come to steal kill and destroy. If you give him the opportunity, he would steal, <laughs> kill, and destroy. Only if you give him the opportunity. Why? Because a rebel will always be a rebel. He is not a gentleman. He stole Adam's rule. He will steal your Joy, if you give him the opportunity to. Someone raise up your hands and say, not me. The devil has been defeated. And he's not permitted in my life. He's not permitted in my family. Because the king of glory has given me freedom. He has taken away the judgment that I deserve. Now, when you look at verse 15, we see something else that Ephaniah says. It says, he has cast out our enemy. You see, it says, rejoice, O daughter. He has taken away your judgments. The next thing he says as part of that salvation package, is that he has cast out our enemy. When we look at verse 15 of Hebrews uh, chapter 2, well, let's first read the same Colossians of chapter 2, verse 15. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. It says, And have been spoiled principalities and powers, he made an open show of them, triumphing over them. In other words, yeah, uh, some of you might not understand, yeah, yeah, as in he, uh, 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 yeah, made a mess. Okay, American people. <laughs> he made a mess. <laughs> he made a mess. He made a mess. Of the devil. Now, when we look at Corinthians, sorry, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2 from verse, uh, verse 14 to 15. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 to 15. It says this it says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. See, remember, it says, He comes to you. Behold, your king comes to you. He comes to your level. He takes upon himself that which you are. He comes to you. So he partook of that which we feel. He says we do not have a high priest that cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmity. He partook of that which makes us mortal. Can you imagine? And I know our sister touched on this yesterday and that was so powerful. She said when he came, he came for one reason. One reason to die. 
Can you imagine that the only reason why you were born was just to be slaughtered one day? He was born for this one reason. One, only one, to take away the sins of mankind. And even the scripture said, the first witness, the first public witness, first, first public witness, behold the Lamb of the world that was slain from the foundation of the earth. He came to be read up to maturity only to be taken to the cross. Did you notice that every time he did a miracle, there's sometimes I feel he wanted to delay it. I know I'm not saying the right thing. Not that he wanted to delay it. But he would say, don't tell anybody. <laughs> don't tell anybody. He was always hiding himself. And then in the garden of Gethsemane, he said, Lord, if, if you can, I know now I have shown your glory. And it is undisputable that I, <laughs> that I am the man. It is undisputable. But if, if, if you can, please take this cup away from me. The cup of salvation. He, he, the cup of wrath of mankind. He said, if you can, take it away from me. He too knew what death was. And he didn't want it. Because he was sinless. Think of utter perfection. Someone who did not know sin. Nor was he touched by it. Nor was he even motivated by it. He did not he did not even understand what the feeling of sin was because he never submitted to him. The Bible makes us to understand the principle. And this was Jesus saying it. He says, whomever you obey, you are the person's servant. He never once obeyed sin. So he was never a servant of sin. His only one master was his father. He was obedient even unto death. Until the point where he had to taste death. He was obedient to that point. And then, for that only reason, he came to taste flesh and blood. He came to tabernacle amongst you and I. <laughs> That's what John said. He said, he came and he tabernacled amongst men. He came to dwell in our midst. But only to taste flesh and blood. He also himself, likewise, took part of the same. That through death, he might destroy him that hath the power of death. That is the devil. Through, through that thing that tormented you and I. That death that placed us in the place, on the, in the, in the place of despondency, in the place of fear, in the place of defeat, in the place of inability and paralysis. He said he was going to submit himself in obedience to the Father. That he might destroy him that uses that death as a power. When the devil is teasing you and putting dangling things in front of you, he doesn't tell you that the aim and the purpose is death. Why? The soul that sinneth is death. He, 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 you know what he does? He, dang, he dangles it in front of you. In front, he dangles it in front of you. And then he goes to report you. Brothers and sisters, 
if there's anything, now there are some things that might not be clear. That is why David said, Lord, forgive me for any presumptuous sin. Anything that I have done that is not known, have mercy upon me. So there are those instances where you do things that you do not know. But rebellion is when you know the truth. You do, you know. You know. It's not that you didn't know. You know. And then you decide that you will do your own thing. That's why Ezekiel said, <laughs> it's not that I'm unfair. Is it not that you are unfair? That scripture made me laugh. Because God has a sense of humor. If you know the truth, if you know his conditions, remember, it is in his righteous state that he makes known to you his conditions for salvation. He is not hiding it. He has not hidden it. will never hide it. Because we are his children, he makes it known to us. He lets us know his will. That's what our sister taught yesterday. He makes it known to us. Now, if he has shown us what that is, whether through dreams, through visions, or through the word, please obey. If you know you don't have the strength, at least you are honest. Tell the Lord, I don't have the strength. Help me. Be honest, be humble. Approach the throne of grace in humility. I don't have the strength. And if you still aren't having an answer, approach someone that you think is a confidant that will not take your story anywhere. That that person should help you. Confess your sins to one another. You don't have to carry it alone. That is why this is called the body of Christ. We are here to help one another. Just as he is saving you, he's saving me, he's saving each and every one of us. Amen. Please don't carry it alone. Don't let the burden overwhelm you. Don't let that thing destroy you to the point where it becomes a stronghold. If you can't do it on your own, please submit yourself to the mercy of the Lord. But recognize one thing. He has destroyed the enemy. And he has no power over you. Amen. Now, the next thing that he says, that is in Zephaniah, that the king of Israel is in our midst. Remember, he's coming to you. He's not coming to you to just leave. He's coming to you to stay. Now, the ultimate fulfillment, as we were taught this morning, was that, is that at the end of the day, Christ is going to come and dwell physically upon the earth during his second advent. advent. But right now, we still have the presence of the Holy Spirit Helping us through our infirmities. Praying for us. Even to, even to prayer. He says, you do not know what you need to pray for. No one here knows the right word. But it is the spirit of God that intercedes on our behalf with groanings that cannot be uttered. If you don't know what to pray for, please pray in the spirit if you have 
receive the baptism, if you have that prayer language, if you don't have that prayer language, please, it is for you. It is a gift for you. There are times where we don't know what to pray for. We just stay there and we keep dangling our tongues. Because even if we don't know what to say, the Spirit speaks in ultimate perfection because it is the utterance of the Spirit of God. So allow Him to help you. You don't have to carry that burden. You say, but I don't understand. You don't have to understand. It is the person of Christ on the inside that is helping you. And then before you know it, you will not know when you might have a dream giving you the right word, or you might have someone just passing by, whispering what you need to hear that will take you to that place. Amen. The Spirit of God. But ultimately, he dwells in our midst. He says the King of Israel is in our midst. When he came, he came to Tabernacle in our midst. He did not send someone else to go do the saving of human race. He came himself. He came to dwell in our midst. He suffered that body of humiliation. Anything that you think is humiliating, he suffered it. His body had to get tired. He had to sleep. He slept to the point where there was a storm and he was... Those who know. <laughs> there was a storm. He was sleeping. And then his, his disciples said, Master, carry us not that we perish. But the man was tired. So he suffered that same humili humiliation of the weakness of this body. The limitations of this body. He came to dwell in our midst. But even when he left, he sent his spirit. Say, precious father. Raise up your hands and say, precious father. I thank you for the indwelling presence of your Holy Spirit. Amen. And finally, in verse 15, Zephaniah says, we shall no longer see disaster. Now, it's not that you will not have trials, but you will not have desolation. Why? Because he that is with us is more than they that are against us. He only allows some of that traffic to mature you. He will not allow it to destroy you. He will allow it to mature. How many of us have been through trials? How many of us have been through trials? How many of us are happy we went through those trials? And if you had your way again, would you want to go through those trials? Why? Because you have come out like gold. But while you were going through those trials, <laughs> how many of us said, Lord, bring more? <laughs> but the beauty of it is now we are so glad that we have gone through it, that we have seen the end of it. And our testimony is that the Lord is able. The Lord is able. The Lord is able. The Lord is mighty to save. The Lord, the great deliverer, has brought us 
out of the place of despair into the place of his joy. He might allow it. But in his wisdom, just like Job's testimony, is to make him two times better than what he was. Think about it. Daniel was serving peacefully, peacefully, and then a king had a dream, and that was the end. But because of that trial, Daniel was promoted. The trials God allows is to make you come out with a shout, with a song that will glorify his name. And that is why we rejoice at the salvation of our king. We rejoice because he has made us alive. He has quickened us with power, quickened us with glory. When the Lord turned around the captivity of Zion, they were like them that dreamt. It all becomes a dream once you see the saving power and the saving grace of our Lord. Let us all rise up on our feet. Is there something, something that is holding you from having a testimony of the witness of Christ Jesus that is withholding that testimony? Begin to bring it before the Lord. Bring it before the Lord. Lord, I do not want this thing to cross over with me. Let this be the end. Let this be the end. Let this be the end. In the name of Jesus. Let us 